Hey listeners, thanks for tuning in. We're about to get into the episode, but I wanted to quickly tell you about our new sponsor, ShipStation. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. It's time-consuming, it's expensive, there are so many carriers to choose from. How do you know that you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all of your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. And right now, listeners to the Nixwall podcast and any Blue Wire podcast can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in blue. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. I'm Mike Cortez, and this is the TKW Draft Season Podcast, a little mini-series presented by the Nixwall Podcast via Blue Wire Podcasts. So what is this, you ask? For the past six months, we've been mostly focusing on five to six guys, mostly at the top of the lottery for obvious reasons, but this is going to be the home to expand the draft world. We've already gotten into a couple written stuff with... Prospects from Re Hachimura to Keldon Johnson to Kevin Porter Jr. And there's much more to come. So while you're reading the great stuff by guys like Evan Cole, Eugene Rappe, I hope I didn't butcher your name, Eugene, as well as Kevin, and they're going to come here and talk more. So it's going to be a, kind of your hub for college prospects. Joining me today is TKW Podcast OG, Kyle Maggio. Kyle, what's up? What's going on, Mike? What's going on, everybody? Nothing, man. I'm excited for this lottery. It's finally here. If we get the fifth pick, nobody talk to me, <laughs> nobody at me, uh, nobody look at me, nobody look in my direction. Just, just leave me alone. Uh, top three pick. I just need a top three pick. I'm, yeah, I'm not ready to even consider four or five. But since it's our job to cover all grounds, I figure we could just run through every possible scenario just so we're mentally prepared. If we get four or five, everyone just make sure you have some tequila or whatever your beverage of choice is because it would be a very long night. But let's get into it. If they fall to five, who are you? Who do you want most? Uh, so I, I've been going back and forth for five. I I still get that there might be a very good player in Cam Reddish. Uh, I we'd like to jest about how uh, underwhelming he was, but. I 
wouldn't be furious. Like I'd, I'd be very disappointed that we got five and then had to take him, but I don't think I'd be furious with Cam. I do think that he's obviously in consideration for that spot. Um, it's a position of need. I mean, anything is for the Knicks at this point, but you know, we haven't had wing depth or anybody with any kind of talent for the most part until Dotson showed up the second half of the season, really. So um, I wouldn't mind the pick, but I'd be disappointed. I'd like if they're going to gamble to kind of go with, and, and again, I'm a big DSJ stan, Dennis Smith Jr. I love him. Um, and I get if you if people don't want to pick a point guard, but I just feel like you got to go best player available. And for me, that might be Garland. Mm, um, interesting. Yeah, I just think, you know, I think you and I have talked about it before privately. Like he, he kind of gave me, sh- you know, shades of Dame Lillard a little bit. Just he's very fluid. Um, he doesn't try to get cute with his actions. It seems like when, when he's dribbling and he's very skilled, uh, you know, dribbling and, and getting his shots off. And it just seems like he always knows where he wants to get. He knows how to get to his spots. And I just think if you're going to gamble, you should gamble with a guy with kind of upside like that, at least offensively and at the point guard position where uh, you need that in the NBA to be successful. You need high level point guard play. And as we know, the Knicks haven't had that for a very long time. And I, again, I believe in Dennis Smith Jr. If they picked Cam Reddish, didn't sign Kyrie, and they just trotted out, you know, DSJ next season as the starter, I'd be thrilled. I'd be fine. But um, that's kind of where I would go. Like, for me, that's where the upside pick is. And I get the argument for Cam. So where's your head at? I'm with you. Uh, I'm kind of still, I'm in that same mindset where I kind of want to take a risk, just a different person. I do like Garland, especially if that Pelicans trade has any credence, because I think what we can give them is Knox, Mitchell Robinson, but I think adding Garland would really entice them because the Pelicans don't really, I don't think they've last time they had a good guard was Chris Ball. So you give them Garland, Knox and Robinson. That's a pretty damn good package, but where my head that is more Brandon Clark. I know I talked about him when I was on with you Ant and Brian, but I think if you can't get Zion and you want someone in that type, you go for Brandon Clark. He's a relentless worker, just like Zion. Freak athlete. And he has the same shortcoming with his shot, but he's working really hard. I know he gained, I think, 20 percentage points on his free throw, and his overall mechanics have just improved drastically. So that's where I would be at. I want, like, Fisdale talks about building a championship culture. I think you need guys like Brandon Clark. Because if at some point the coach always loses the locker room, so to speak, in terms of like reaching them, to like motivation wise, and I think Clark, having someone like Clark, Knox, Robinson, like Jim Rats and Trier, those like that's the kind of group that you want to foster a new type of culture in. Cam, he doesn't excite me as much. I called him a hobo, Paul George, which is very mean on my part. But the one positive. <laughs> about him was he plays good defense i mean the game against his best game that i saw was against syracuse when zion was out him and rj he couldn't hit anything i think he was like two for 12 but he was defending like a mother and he looked like paul george in that moment so yes he is Knox on offense in terms of very passive probably just going to meander on the outside doesn't really have an inside move that you could recall but I mean, on defense, he could he could turn into something, especially if Fisdale gives him that nudge where he gives everyone an open 
uh, green light, so to speak. So it wouldn't be the end of the world, but I like I like you said, I kind of want to take a risk at five. I used our TKW offseason app, and I did a sim, and I was tired of picking Cam at five, right? So I chose Brandon Clark, and I remember a lot of people were you know tweeting at me saying, well, we didn't tank to, to draft Brandon Clark. Well, first of all, we didn't tank to pick Cam Reddish either. So let's keep it a buck here. We didn't tank to get that fifth pick, and with it, whoever's in that area. We know after three, it gets kind of dark. You know, some of us have talked ourselves into Culver, but even still, like, it's kind of scary after three. Even if you don't love RJ, you still can kind of get the upside. You know what I mean? So um, Clark, I thought was interesting for one reason, because he seems like a guy that a, a, a contender would draft, right? He seems like a guy who's sort of more ready to just plug and play and maybe get started and, and doesn't really need to be a superstar or we don't need to hope for him to be a superstar. He could just be a very good, safe starter on a good team. And I think that's interesting because if they do kind of go that route versus like a more of a project, like Cam Reddish, a guy that you would have to get correct in a sense, maybe that kind of hints towards, they know that they have a Durant in the bag. You know what I mean? I'm interested to see what they do because you know what they're going to do one, two or three. You just know that I think that's kind of more or less locked in maybe two and three, the order switches with John Morant and Cam, uh, and Cam, RJ, sorry. But um, if they get like a Brandon Clark, to me, that would kind of speak to, okay, they just want a good player who's going to fit into this locker room right away and be able to play off of a potential superstar that they know is coming. So that's one thing that I thought was curious because people were kind of mad at the fact that that could be an option, but I don't know that I am if that happens. I think if they do a, a pick like that, it kind of speaks to what they might be planning for um, you know, free agency or what they think that they might have. Yeah, that's per- that's perfectly said. And to throw in one more person in besides Clark, DeAndre Hunter, that's another wing that I think could start from day one and checks all the boxes in three and D, which the Knicks don't have outside of Dotson. So I think Hunter would be also another tip of the hand that like, yeah, we're getting Durant and hopefully, well, if Durant's coming, I'm assuming Kyrie or Kawhi are with him. But yeah, those Hunter and Clark are two guys that I think could just plug and play from day one. And also people getting mad about Brandon Clark. I mean. We tank to get Zion. Anything after that to me is just like, eh. But um, let's go to four. Four is, I feel like that one's the most clear cut in the draft. I feel like it's going to be Culver for sure is going to be there. My only worry is Cam might go over Culver. That's probably the only dumb decision that scares me in this draft. But where were you, where are you at with Culver? I think he's a plug and play guy, but what are your thoughts on him? I came around. I didn't watch him the first half of the college season. And then when you kind of brought his name up and wrote about him a little bit and talked about him a little bit, I started watching some of the Texas Tech games and I made sure I watched during the tournament too. And I get it. I get it now. Um, I think I'd probably feel more comfortable with him than I would Cam. I know some people still have them flip flopped. And I think that that's obviously justifiable. But um, for me, I, I think. I mean, he's a he's a very good defender. Uh, I I like he's more than capable on offense. I really liked what I saw from him in the tournament on that side of the ball too. So, I'd be perfectly content with Culver. I hope if they get the fourth pick, they get Culver. Um, if they kind of take Reddish, I think I'd be a little more disappointed. But what are your takes on Culver anyway? I know that you watched him 
a little bit more in depth than I have. Heavy Chris Middleton vibes, which I think is a good thing, but some people may not want that out of a top five pick. You need that sometimes, though, because the Middletons can be very, I mean, he's not a star per se, but he's like just about there. You know, he's like in that Mike Conley tier of he's a star, but also not really. He's just a really high level quality starter. And I don't think that that's people always want stars at the top of the lottery, but like very good is a perfectly reasonable thing to be drafting for too. Yeah, exactly when you're you're the Knicks. I mean, we've had times where we've taken guys like Jordan Hill over DeMar DeRozan was gross. Like just stupid decisions like that. Culver's just a base. He's not a home run, obviously, but he's a base hit. Like he would easily become probably the second best wing defender after Frank. Hopefully he's still here. Um, The only thing that holds me back on Culver's is three point shot. And I know folks are saying like, oh, he's he shot it 30%. That's not that good. And he's a sophomore, so he had time to build on it. I do like him off the ball cutting. I think he could be really, really good in that role. So, like I said, he's supporting cast to the max. Not really a star. But like I said, sometimes you just need to get that base hit. Yeah, base hit's kind of the perfect way to word it. You know, everybody's always trying to hit the home run in the draft, and sometimes you need a double. Yeah. You know, sometimes that's perfectly fine. Um, I just I think it stinks because everybody just has high expectations. When you, when you go through 17 wins in a season, I get how you might arrive at a place where you demand a star. I get that. But no matter where you draft, the success rate for getting a star is like 10 to 15%. Yeah. Like, it's very difficult to draft those guys. So if you get just a plus player, it's still a win. I know it doesn't feel like a win, but it is. I promise you. You just can't have a bust right. at that high of a spot. That That's basically it. If he turns into a high-level player, just a regular good impact starter, like it's still a win, even if you want to say so begrudgingly. Yeah, and that's where Culver shot. His floor, I, like Moran and Zion are on their own, but when you get into like the RJ and Cam, I think Culver's floor is considerably higher. Because he already knows what he's good at and he focuses on that. Where someone like RJ, who we're gonna, I guess we'll go right into number three, who I think should be third, is RJ Barrett. RJ's has a high floor, don't get me wrong, but his ceiling is considerably higher than Culver's, and RJ still doesn't know what he's good at, great at. He's solid across the board, but there's not one thing I could say RJ Barrett's the king of assists, RJ Barrett's a menace on the perimeter. Like, that's where I'm at with RJ, but his ceiling, I mean, he has the pedigree, he has, Steve Nash is his godfather, so I know he has good counsel, and he's been good at every level he's played at, so I know people are like, ah, RJ's not that good, lefty Andrew Wiggins, which is laughable, but they're way worse picks than RJ Barrett at three. I think the the hatred, and I know you feel the same way, like, it's fine to realize faults that players have. We have to do that. It's our jobs to do that, you know, but people overlook a lot of what RJ does in order to pick at the faults. Like I, I think he averaged for the season 21, six and six, if I'm not mistaken. So even if you want to get on him for, you know, his inefficiencies and his questionable shot selection at time, that's fine. I mean, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't he 19 years old? Yes. 18, so not, even 19, 19, yet. not even 19 years old, 21, six and six. And for a guy who's supposed to be a volume scorer to average 21 points in college and also give you six assists and also be aggressive on the rebounding, like that matters, guys. 
And I get that offense is always king and you want an efficient guy who takes the right shots. And I understand that I do, but for him to be 19 and still give you 21, despite all of that. And also be kind of a playmaker. And in the tournament, he was really diming too. It wasn't like he was just, you know, hoisting up those sometimes questionable shots. Like he was making some really nice reads, some really nice passes. So he's not really a selfish player, despite being the volume scoring. So I would be perfectly fine. I could definitely talk myself into RJ. I already have talked myself into RJ. I think he's a very good player and will be a very good player in the league. I just think his faults are just really overblown. And we do this with almost every prospect. Even with Zion, we're hearing things like, oh, well, once he gets to the league, is he going to be able to deal with the physicality of the NBA, especially if he doesn't have a jump shot? Yes, he's going to be fine. Please. Like, like guys, like, I mean, he's, he's handling the ball. I mean, we'll get to Zion, obviously, but... Like sometimes you guys got to relax. It's okay to have faults in your game. There is not a perfect player in the NBA right now. Even the best players have faults. It's okay. It's fine. Do the pros outweighs the cons. That's it. And if it's in a pretty big way, like 21, six and six for a 19 year old would be okay. That's it is what it is. I think that's perfectly fine. That's a guy you can sort of not bet the house on, but yeah, you take him at two or three. If that's what they, even if they took him at two, if that's who they thought best player available was, then yeah, I would be, that's fine. I like Ja a little more, but you know, we'll get there. But RJ is a, a very good player. Yeah. And he, like we were talking about with Brandon Clark and these winners, RJ Barrett fits right into that. He's, he kept Duke together when Zion went out. Like Duke could have easily fallen off the minute Zion busted that shoe, but he held it together. And with the assist hole, just to add on to that, this is, that's also factoring in that RJ essentially had, two or three teammates that could probably score. The shooting at Duke was appalling. Uh, outside of Alex O'Connell, who played the four or five games Zion was out, was the only thing RJ had at times, because Cam just couldn't hit the ocean from the sand. And Trey Jones was, he just was a non-factor. I think the only shot he was really good at was like a jumper below the free throw line. So what are you really giving RJ to work with? And he held it together, man. And like you said in the tournament, he was throwing dimes. And his tunnel vision, I feel like that comes up more when it's like late in the game and he sees his teammates aren't hitting shots. So he kind of asserts himself more than he should. But can you really fault him? I mean, who else was going to hit a shot for Duke? DeLaurier? <laughs> like, come on, guys. Yeah, I mean, basically they relied on Trey Jones outside of that. You know, Cam kind of disappeared for a while and Trey was trying. At least he's not a good shooter, but... He was trying. He was shooting threes. Like he's not good at them, but he took the right shots anyway. So yeah, I mean, to your point, there's only so many options you can really go with there. Yeah, and then and like in a big scope of things, I think he fits into whatever future the Knicks hold. My only fear with RJ, and I think Jonathan Wasserman covered this. He said, if RJ's your only player, that could lead to like a very bad situation where it could almost be Tim Hardaway. Esque, where he's just launching up too many sh- bad shots, but I think if you put him around good guys like Durant, hopefully Durant and Kyrie, or any variation of that, I think he could really find his lane and then grow into a really, really, really good player. Because there's not there's not much to get mad about. But uh, no, it's just much to do about nothing. Yeah, it's people just. I mean, he's the easy person to pile on because. It's Duke for one, so he's some somebody from Duke had to be hated, and you just can't hate Zion. It's just impossible. And Cam was non-existent, so RJ took that L, and he held it gracefully. It is true. It is true. 
Um, if you want to move ahead to number two. Yes. So obviously Zion's one. We'll get to him in a second. John Morant, I wrote about it last week about why he would be good. And just to give you a too long, didn't read. Um, he would, he's, we haven't had a point guard. You said it at the top of the pod. We haven't had a point guard. I mean, when's the last time we had a great point? Like the best playmaker I could think of off the top of my head was Wash Jason Kidd in 2013. So it's been really a position of need. And I think Ja has the second most superstar potential after Zion. I think he's a mix of De'Aaron Fox and Trey Young, which are two of my favorite point guards. And I mean, the numbers are insane. He had 24 and 11. I know it's Murray State, but if you watch any of his games, he was playing with literally nothing. I mean, his forward had titties. So, <laughs> who does who does that sound like, Mike? Uh, who, who does who does this this uh, season that he had? Who does this kind of mirror, in your opinion? Because mm. it, it sounds a lot like the Trey Young thing from last yes. year. Yes, he's at Oklahoma. He's he's playing with a bunch of nobodies. You know, the competition wasn't necessarily always great. I mean, I, Oklahoma's better than what Murray State played for sure. But um, to me, I think that's kind of what it mirrors. It's, it's just John Morant versus everybody. And everybody wants to get on his – remember when we were talking during the tournament and everyone's like, oh, but his turnover. <sighs> I mean, he's giving you 10 dimes a game. It's a two-to-one assist to turnover ratio. That's what matters. If he's giving you double the production, then it's always going to be fine. That's how that works, guys. You don't look at five turnovers and get mad. You see 10 assists to five turnovers and you go, oh, he's doubling up. That's good. Yeah, and for the turnovers, if half of those turnovers were him just trying to be way too flashy, so I think if he just dialed it back on the flashiness, I think those turnovers go way down. And like you said, he was it is very similar to Trey Young because he I mean, I can't really point to any teammate that was like, "All right, this guy's going to bail him out." And that oh, in his conference tournament, he was just against Belmont, he knew he had to finish it, and he did it like with no problem. And then the tournament he carried that he destroyed Marcus Howard in the first round. And then Florida state was just way too big for him where I think he still had 26, if I'm not mistaken. So he got it done. And he just like trade did to Atlanta where he was just infectious, that playing style. I think he could bring that here. And he could also bring Kawhi and Durant like that opens a clear path for that. But even if no one comes, I really like a core of jaw Mitch, Knox, and Trier. Like, that's a really fun group. And Frank, that's a really fun group to get behind. It is. And and like I said with the Garland thing, like me going Garland at five is like a Dollar Tree version of taking Jot. Too. Yes. Like, you, you got to bank on the point guards with the highest upside. You, you need dynamic guards. Like, Ja is just diming like a madman. Some of these passes he threw... Even the turnovers that his teammates couldn't catch or they just weren't good enough to finish, like, they were very good. These are passes nobody else in college was making last year. So between that and then his range, like, you need that in 2019 from the point guard position, from your from your starter at point guard. You you just do. And if, I mean, I would take him at two, and I love Dennis, but I would take him at two. I think it's a good problem to have, to have a couple of really good options to go with. But, um you just, you, if you can get a guy like that, we saw it with Trey, and everyone was worried about, oh, is he going to be able to finish at the rim? Is he going to be able to get shot off? Is he going to be able to make those same passes? And the answer was yes. In fact, he almost looked better in his first season in the NBA than he yeah. did at all in college. So I think 
with better spacing, with better athletes and smarter teammates, I think a lot of that really helps. And you'll see a lot of those faults that were maybe overblown, maybe the high turnovers start to come down. And you'll see like the assists are going to be a little more clearer or crisper. He's going to get a shot off, no problem. So um, I would very much like to get John Moran at two. And by all accounts, it seems like a great guy as well. So it'd be a ton of fun to root for. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a hard worker and, also, the difference—the main difference between him and Trey, uh, the explosiveness. So, Trey was able to get buckets without being all that explosive. He was more finesse. This guy, Ja, is like—he looks like Westbrook sometimes, where he dunks, like he tomahawks. Him. So it's—I think he'll be fine. And any concerns about him is just overthinking it way too much. But let's transition number one. Obviously, Zion. I think we all know about Zion, so I'm going to just pivot to the big question: Would you trade him for Anthony Davis? I've gone back and forth on this so many times. Um, I think as much as I, and I've said this on the pod before, you, I say, if you're going to get KD and Kyrie, you trade Zion. You have the title window open at that point. You, you get Anthony Davis, assuming if you trade Zion, he's going to give you a five-year extension. Um, and you just figure out the rest of the roster later. But I also have gone back and forth on it. And I got to tell you, as much as my head think that's that's the right call, I don't know that I could go through with it. Um, I think I'm going to flip-flop if we get him. But I, I just, I feel like once we actually, I, he feels impossible for us to get. The 14% chance feels impossible. So I think it's easier for me to say like, oh yeah, I would move him in a heartbeat if you know we're getting KD and Kyrie. But um, I don't know that I can. If we end up getting him, I don't know. We spent all year looking at his game and being infatuated by his style. And, you know, he's built like a refrigerator, but he's, you know, passing like a point guard. And I I don't know, man, I don't know that I could, I think he's going to be a very good player right away, uh, a star right away. And I don't know if that makes it better or worse than Anthony Davis the first season, but I'm right now. I'm going to say no. I just don't think I could do it. I'm going to say no. I agree with you, but I, but I get it, but I get it. If you, yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's so stupid because, it's kind of like the like the last time someone this good was on the trade market, big man wise, was probably Kareem. That can remember like it's the same type of scenario where the Knicks could have a chance to trade for the best big man of his generation. But I mean Zion, I know Zion's unproven, but the chance to grow something is just something that people underrate. Like I think the reason Golden State is so damn cool is because they got to see Curry, Clay, and Dre grow together. And then they were able to add Kevin Durant anyway. So Davis, I mean, if Davis really wants to find a new team as soon as possible, then go to the Lakers and suffer with LeBron and Frank Vogel if you really want to. But I think if AD just waits, I think he could step into a better team versus a gutted roster a la Carmelo. And I'm just not ready to bank on KD and Kyrie. Those two guys are very flaky. So we could easily end up with AD coming over to Pelicans East where it's just him and a whole lot of nothing. So I think Zion just saves our ass from that and could probably be more exciting in the short term in terms of, I mean, the dunks, the passes. I mean, he's got it all. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, we can't really overlook is that he's going to have Mitchell Robinson next to him if they don't do the trade. And as we know, Mitch was just terrific in a game changer on the defensive end this season with a really terrible team. If you go back and look at his you know numbers and the impact that he had, it's a very clear as day. Once he figured out how to stay in the games, rebound a little bit better, 
And obviously when he had that black streak going, when he just kept blocking two a game, I mean, it was very clear. Even with the hunting of blocks, it was very clear what he was doing. So if you get him somebody else like Zion, who's a very, very intelligent defender, somebody who rotates at the right time and makes those same kind of athletic blocks, you know, despite being undersized because of the athlete that he is, that's a nasty four or five combo. I don't think that you necessarily are in a, like if they choose to get Anthony Davis, fine. That's, that's a perfectly rational decision. Won't be mad at it. Maybe a little disappointed because having homegrown talent is really fun, obviously, but it makes all the sense in the world. Nobody should be mad at it. But um, those two as a four and five is just a nasty punch to having the perimeter threats we hope to get. Like if you have KD and Kyrie playing the one and the three, and then at the four and the five, you have Zion and Mitch, like that's terrifying. Like if you get Mitch, if you get Brow, that's that's great. That's that that's a big three. You need them to win in the NBA. I get it. It's superstars league, but you know, Mitch is really headed that way. Zion really looks like he's heading that way. That's a just I don't know. I, I'd be fine just leaving those two and if if you want to try to move the rest of the roster for somebody else, a Brad Beal, a couple of future picks, go for it. But I don't think that they necessarily have to trade for Anthony Davis. That's a great, great combo to move forward with too. If they can oh, get yeah. I mean, just the Zion Mitch pick and roll potential is salivating. It's <laughs> I really think Zion could be like our first point center. Like and also with KD possibly coming, I feel like he wants to do it like LeBron has where it's comfortable like familiar settings and i've said it before i think zion's dream on on steroids where he could literally command he could run the offense and anchor the defense if he needed to so obviously ad's best big man but that zion potential man it's something so last thing before we get out of here i want to ask you gut gut feeling right off the top of your head without even thinking about it draft lottery tomorrow they're they're running through the options. They're about to name all the picks. Where do you think the Knicks fall? I'm going one. I'm going. I, th- I think this okay. is it. I, I've I've locked into three. I, I I just feel like I feel like it's gonna be. We're expecting too much in either direction. I'm just sitting firmly in the middle. I think we're gonna get two or three. I'm locking in three. I just feel like there's no way we're gonna get one, and I feel like there's no way we're gonna get five. I feel like we're gonna fall somewhere in the middle, so that Knicks fans are gonna be just distraught enough but just hopeful enough to talk themselves into it like usual. Yeah, I mean, come on, Dave, David Stern, come on. Talk to your boy Adam Silver. Make the business decision. The Lakers did not fall out of the top five the last three years. I don't think that's a coincidence. The Cavs? Cavs do we even need, that's all I need to say is the Cavs. Yeah. Everybody remembers. And they still whiffed on Everybody that. Remember. Like, come on, help us out. Make a business decision. Put Zion in New York. Make a lot of money. Do the, do the right thing. Do the right thing. We're not asking a lot. Do the right thing. God. Please, just one yes. time. But in case that doesn't happen, we'll have you covered for future episodes. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. Hopefully you could come on again because you're always a great host. Yeah, thanks a lot. I'm uh, looking forward to the rest of this draft series. Thank you. Thank you. All right, before we get out of here, just want to make sure you guys are using that TKW off-season app. Ryan Gray killed it. And if you haven't been running 100 Sims a day, I don't know what you're doing at work. I mean, do you really do work at work? Come on now. So lottery's coming up. Use that app, run through the scenarios, prepare yourself for the worst, hope for the best. And also a big thank you to Anthony Corbo, who's producing the podcast and just does everything for us here at the Knicks Wall. And make sure you're checking out all the new content. We got TKW Gaming now. We got Lawrence Scotty. He's covering the Knicks 2K team. 
And so just make sure you check that out. Check out the website. Follow TKW Podcast on Twitter. Follow the next one on Twitter. Love you guys. Hope to speak soon. Thank you.